for tuning in for another episode with Reading with Jess. I'm Jess, and I hope you enjoy the end of part one of the Perks of Being a Wildfire. All right, let's get in. September 29th, 1991. Dear friend, there's a lot to tell you about the last two weeks. A lot of it is good, but a lot of it is bad. Again, I don't know why this always happens. First of all, Bill gave me a C on my Tickle Mockingbird essay because he said that I run my sentences together. I'm trying now to practice not to do that. He also said that I should use the vocabulary words that I learn in class, like corpulent and jaundice. I would use them here, but I really don't think that they are appropriate in this format. To tell you the truth, I don't know where they are appropriate to use. I'm not saying that you shouldn't know them. You should absolutely. But I just have never heard anyone use the words corpulent and jaundice ever in my life. That includes teachers. So what's the point of using words nobody else knows or can say comfortably? I just don't understand them. I feel the same way about some movie stars who are terrible to watch. Some of these people must have millions of dollars at least. And they keep doing these movies. They blow up bad guys, they yell at their detectives, they do interviews for magazines. Every time I see this one particular movie star in a magazine, I can't help but feel terribly sorry for her because nobody respects her at all. And yet they keep interviewing her, and the interviews all say the same thing. They start with what food they are eating in some restaurant as blank, gingerly munched or Chinese chicken salad, she spoke of love, and all the covers say the same thing, blank, gets to the bottom of stardom, love, and his slash her hit new movie slash television show slash album. I think it's nice for stars to interviews to make us think that they are like us, but to tell you the truth, I get the feeling that it's a big lie. The problem is I don't know who's lying, and I don't know why these magazines sell as much as they do, and I don't know why the ladies in the dentist's office like them as much as they do. A Saturday ago, I was in the dentist's office, and I heard this conversation. Did you see that movie? And she points to the cover. I did. I saw it with Harold. What do you think? She is just lovely. Yeah, she is. Oh, I have this new recipe. Low fat. Uh-huh. Do you want to have some tomorrow? Do you have some time tomorrow? No. Why don't you have Mike fax it to Harold? Okay. Then these ladies started talking about the one star I mentioned before, and they both had very strong opinions. I think it's disgraceful. Did you read the interview in Good Housekeeping a few months back? Uh Uh-huh. Disgraceful. Did you read the one in Cosmopolitan? No. God, it was practically the same interview. I don't know why they get for the time of day. The fact that one of these ladies was my mom made me feel particularly sad because my mom is beautiful and she is always on a diet sometimes my dad calls her beautiful but she cannot hear him incidentally my dad is a very good husband he's just pragmatic after the dentist's office my mom drove me to the cemetery where a lot of her relatives are buried my dad does not like to go to the cemetery because it gives him the creeps but i don't mind going at all because my aunt helen is buried there my mom was always the pretty one as they say and my aunt helen was always the other one The nice thing was my Aunt Helen was never on a diet, and my Aunt Helen was corpulent. Hey, I did it! My Aunt Helen would always let us kids stay up and watch Saturday Night Live when she was babysitting, or when she was living with us and my parents went to another couple's house to get drunk and play board games. When I was very little, I remember going to sleep while my brother and sister and Aunt Helen watched Love Boat and Fantasy Island. I could never stay awake when I was that little, and I wish I could because my brother and sister talk about those moments sometimes. Maybe it's sad that these are now memories, and maybe it's not sad. And maybe it's just the fact that we loved Aunt Helen, especially me, and this was the time we could spend with her. I won't start listing television episode memories, except one, because I guess we're on the subject, and it seems like something everyone can relate to in a small way. And since I don't know you, I figure that maybe I can write about something that you can relate to. The family was sitting around watching the final episode of M.A.S.H., And I'll never forget it, even though I was very young. My mom was crying, my sister was crying, my brother was using every ounce of strength he had not to cry, and my dad left during one of the final moments to make a sandwich. Now, I don't remember much about how the program itself went, because I was too young, but my dad never left to make a sandwich except during commercial breaks, and then he usually just sent my mom. I walked to the kitchen, and I saw my dad making a sandwich and crying. 
He was crying harder than even my mom, and I couldn't believe it. When he finished making a sandwich, he put the th- away the things in the refrigerator and stopped crying and wiped his eyes and saw me. Then he walked up, patted my shoulder, and said, This is our little secret. Okay, Jim. Okay, I said. And t- Dad picked me up with the arm that wasn't holding the sandwich and carried me into the room that had the television and put me on his lap for the rest of the television episode. At the end of that episode, he picked me up, turned off the TV, and turned around. And my dad declared, That was a great series. And my mom said, the best. And my sister asked, how long was it on the air? And my brother replied, nine years, stupid. And my sister responded, you stupid. And my dad said, stop it right now. And my mom said, listen to your father. And my brother said nothing. And my sister said nothing. And years later, I found out my brother was wrong. I went to the library to look up the figures and I found out that the episode we watched is the highest watched anything of television history, which I find amazing because it felt like just the five of us, you know? A lot of kids at school hate their parents. Some of them got hit, and some of them got caught in the middle of wrong lives. Some of them were trophies for their parents to show to the neighbors like ribbons or gold stars. Some of them just wanted to drink in peace. For me, personally, as much as I don't understand my mom and dad, and as much as I feel sorry for the both of them sometimes, I can't help but love them very much. My mom drives to visit the cemetery of people she loves. My dad cried during mash and trusted me to keep a secret and let me sit on his lap and called me champ. Incidentally, I only have one cavity, and as much as my dentist asked me to, I just can't bring myself to floss. Love always, Charlie. October 6th, 1991. Dear friend, I feel very ashamed. I went to the high school football game the other day, and I don't know exactly why. In middle school, Michael and I would go to the games, sometimes even though neither of us were popular enough to go. It was just a place to go on Fridays when we didn't want to watch the television. Sometimes we would see Susan there, and she and Michael would hold hands, but this time I went alone because Michael is gone and Susan hangs around different boys now, and Bridget is still crazy, and Carl's mom sent him to some Catholic school, and Dave with the awkward glasses moved away. I was just kind of watching people, seeing who was in love and who was just hanging out, and I saw that kid I told you about. Remember nothing? Nothing was there at the football game, and he was one of the few people who was not an adult, that was actually watching the game. I mean, really watching the game. He would yell things out, Come on, Brad! That's the name of our quarterback. Now, normally I'm very shy, but nothing seemed like the kind of guy you could just walk up to at a football game, even though you were three years younger and not popular. Hey, you're in my shop class. He's a very friendly person. I'm Charlie, I said, not too shy. And I'm Patrick, and this is Sam. He pointed to a very pretty girl next to him, and she waved to me. Hey, Charlie. Sam had a very nice smile. They both told me to have a seat, and they both seemed to mean it, so I took a seat. I listened to nothing yell at the field, and I listened to his play-by-play analysis, and I figured out that this was a kid who knew football very well. He actually knew football as well as my brother. Maybe I should call nothing Patrick from now on, since that is how he introduced himself, and that is what Sam calls him. Incidentally, Sam has brown hair and a very, very pretty green eyes, the kind of green that doesn't make a big deal about itself. I would have told you about that sooner, but under the stadium lights, everything looked kind of washed out. It wasn't until we went to the big boy and Sam and Patrick started to chain smoke that I got a good look at her. The nice thing about the big boy was the fact that Patrick and Sam didn't just throw around inside jokes and make me struggle to keep up. Not at all. They asked me questions. How old are you, Charlie? Fifteen. What do you want to do when you grow up? I don't know just yet. What's your favorite band? I think maybe the Smiths because I love their song Asleep, but I'm really not sure one way or the other because I don't know any other songs by them too well. What's your favorite movie? I don't really know. They're all the same to me. How about your favorite book? This Side of Paradise by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why? Because that's the one I read last week. This made them laugh because they knew I meant honest, not show off. Then they told me their favorites, and we sat quiet. I ate the pumpkin pie because the lady said it was in season, and Patrick and Sam smoked more cigarettes. I looked at them, and they looked really happy together. A good kind of happy. 
And even though I thought Sam was very, was very pretty and nice, and she was the first girl I ever wanted to ask on a date, someday when I can drive, I did not mind that she had a boyfriend, especially if he was a good guy like Patrick. How long have you been going out, I asked. They started laughing, really laughing hard. What's so funny, I said. We're brother and sister, Patrick said, still laughing. But you don't look alike, I said. That's when Sam explained that they were actually stepsister and stepbrother since Patrick's dad married Sam's mom. I was very happy to know that because I would really like to ask Sam on a date someday. I really would. She is so nice. I feel ashamed, though, because that night I had a weird dream. I was with Sam, and we were both naked, and our legs were spread over the sides of the couch, and I woke up, and I had never felt that good in my life, but I also felt bad because I saw her naked without her permission. I think that I should tell Sam about this, and I really hope it does not prevent us from maybe making up inside jokes of our own. It would be very nice to have a friend again. I would like that even more than the date. Love always. Charlie. October 14th, 1991. Dear friend, do you know what masturbation is? I think you probably do because you're older than me, but just in case I will tell you. Masturbation is when you rub your genitals until you have an orgasm. Wow. I thought that in those movies and television shows when they talk about having a coffee break and they that they should have a masturbation break, but then again, I think this would dec- decrease produ- productivity. I'm only being cute here. I don't really mean it. I just wanted to make you smile. I meant the wow though. I told Sam that I dreamt that she and I were naked on the sofa, and I started crying because I felt bad. And do you know what she said? She laughed. Not a mean laugh either, a really nice, warm laugh. She said that she thought I was being cute, and she said it was okay that I had a dream about her, and I stopped crying. Sam then asked me if I thought she was pretty, and I told her I thought that she was lovely. Sam then looked me right in the eye. You know you're too young for me, Charlie. You do know that. Yes, I do. I don't want you to waste your time thinking about me that way. I won't. It was just a dream. Sam then gave me a hug, and it was a strange, and it was strange because my family doesn't hug a lot except my aunt Helen. But after a few moments, I could smell Sam's perfume, and I could feel her body against me. And I stepped back. Sam, I'm thinking about you that way. She just looked at me and shook her head. Then she put her arm around my shoulder and walked down the hallway. We met Patrick outside because they didn't like to go to class sometimes. They preferred to smoke. Charlie has a Charlie-esque crush on me, Patrick. He does, huh? I'm trying not to. I offered, which made them laugh. Patrick asked Sam to leave, which she did, and he explained some things to me so I would know how to be around other girls and not waste my time thinking about Sam that way. Charlie, has anyone told you how it works? I don't think so. Well, there are a few rules you follow here. Not because you want to, but because you have to. You get it? I guess so. Okay, you take girls, for example. They're copying their moments and magazines and everything to know how to act around guys. I thought about my about the moms and the magazines and everything, and, everything's, and the thought made me nervous, especially if it includes TV. I mean... It's not like in the movies where girls like assholes or anything like that. It's not that easy. They just like somebody that can give it a purpose. A purpose, right? You know, girls like guys to be a challenge. It gives some mold to fit in. It gives them some mold to fit in how they act, like a mom. What would a mom do if she couldn't fuss over you and make you clean your room? And what would you do without her fussing and making you do it? Everyone needs a mom, and a mom knows this. And it gives her a sense of purpose. You get it? Yeah, I said, even though I didn't. But I got enough to say yeah and not be lying, though. The thing is, some girls think that they can actually change guys. And what's funny is that if they actually did change them, they'd get bored. They'd have no challenge left. You just have to give girls some time to think of a new way of doing things. That's all. Some of them will figure it out here. Some later. Some never. I wouldn't worry about it too much. But I guess I did worry about it. I've been worrying about it ever since he told me. I look at people holding hands in the hallways, and I try to think about how it all works. At the school dances, I sit in the background and I tap my toe, and I wonder how many couples will dance to their song in the hallway. I see the girls wearing the guy's jacket, and I think about the idea of property, and I wonder if anyone is really happy. I hope they are. I really hope they are. Bill looked at me looking at people, and after class, he asked me what I was thinking of, 
and I told him. He listened and he nodded and made affirmation sounds. When I had finished, his face changed into a serious talk face. Do you always think this much, Charlie? Is that bad? I just wanted someone to tell me the truth. Not necessarily. It's just that sometimes people use thought to not participate in life. Is that bad? Yes. I think I participate, though. Don't you think I am? Well, are you dancing at these dances? I'm not a very good dancer. Are you going on dates? Well, I don't have a car, and even if I did, I can't drive because I'm 15. And anyway, I haven't met a girl I like except for Sam, but I'm too young for her, and she would always have to drive, which I don't think is fair. Bill smiled and continued asking me questions. Slowly, he got to my problems at home, and I told him about the boy who makes mixtapes hitting my sister because my sister only told me not to tell mom or dad about it, so I figured I could tell Bill. He got this very serious look on his face after I told him, and he said something to me that I don't think I will forget this semester ever. Charlie, we accept the love we think we deserve. I just stood there, quiet. Bill patted my shoulder and gave me a new book to read, and he told me everything was going to be okay. I usually walk home from school because it makes me feel like I've earned it. What I mean is that I want to be able to tell my kids that I walked to school like my grandparents did in the old days. It's odd that I'm planning this considering I've never had a date, but I guess that makes sense. It usually takes me an extra hour or so to walk as opposed to taking the bus, but it's worth it whenever the weather is nice and cool like it was today. When I finally got home, my sister was sitting on a chair. My mom and dad were standing in front of her, and I knew that Bill had called, Bill had called home and told them, and I felt terrible. It was all my fault. My sister was crying. My mom was very, very quiet. My dad did all the talking. He said that my sister was not allowed to see the boy who hit her anymore, and he was going to have a talk with that boy's parents tonight. My sister then said that it was all her fault, that she was provoking him, but my dad said it was no excuse. But I love him. I had never seen my sister cry that much. No, you don't. I hate you. No, you don't. My dad can be very calm sometimes. He's my whole world. Don't ever say that about anyone again, not even me. That was my mom. My mom chooses her battles carefully, and I can tell you one thing about my family. Whenever my mom does say something, she always gets her way, and this time was no exception. My sister stopped crying immediately. After that, my dad gave my sister a rare kiss on the forehead. Then he left the house, got in his old mobile, and drove away. I thought he was probably going to talk to the boys' parents, and I felt very sorry for them, his parents, I mean, because my dad doesn't lose fights. He just doesn't. My mom then went into the kitchen to make my sister's favorite thing to eat, and my sister looked at me. I hate you. My sister said it differently than she said it to my dad. She meant it with me. She really did. I love you. It was all I could say in return. You're a freak. You know that? You've always been a freak. Everyone says that, so they always have. I'm not trying to be. Then I turned around and walked to my room and closed my door and put my head under my pillow and let the quiet put things where they're supposed to be. By the way, I figure you're probably very curious about my dad. Did he hit us when we were kids or even now? I just thought you might be curious because Bill was. After I told him about the boy and my sister, well, if you're wondering, he didn't. He never touched my brother or sister, and the only time he ever slapped me was when I made my Aunt Helen cry. And once we all calmed down, he got on his knees in front of me and said that his stepdad hit him a lot, and he decided in college when my mom got pregnant with my older brother that he would never hit his kid, and he felt terribly sorry for doing it. And he was so sorry. And he would never hit me again, and he hasn't. He's just stern sometimes. Love always, Charlie. October 15th, 1991. Dear friend, I guess I forgot to mention in my last letter that it was Patrick who told me about masturbation. I guess I also forgot to tell you how often I do it now, which is a lot. I don't like to look at pictures. I just close my eyes and dream about a lady I don't know. And I try not to feel ashamed. I never think about Sam when I do it. Never. That's very important because I was so happy when she said Charlie asks since it felt like an inside joke of sorts. 
One night, I felt so guilty that I promised God that I would never do it again, so I started using blankets. But then blankets hurt, so I started using pillows. But then the pillows hurt, so I went back to normal. I wasn't raised very religiously because my parents went to Catholic school, but I do believe in God very much. I just never gave God a name, if you know what I mean. I hope I haven't let him down regardless. Incidentally, my dad had a very serious talk with the boy's parents. The boy's mother was very, very angry and screamed at her son. The boy's father kept quiet, and my dad didn't get too personal with them. He didn't tell them that they did a lousy job raising their son or anything. As far as he was concerned, the only important thing was getting their help to keep their son away from his daughter. Once that was settled, he left them to deal with their family and came home to deal with us. At least that's how he put it. The one thing I did ask my dad about the boys' problems at home, whether or not he thought his par- their parents had his, his son. He told me to mind my own business because he didn't know and would never ask and didn't think it mattered. Not everyone has a sob story, Charlie. And even if they do, it's no excuse. That's all I said. And he went to watch television. My sister is still mad at me, but my dad said I did the right thing. I hope that I did, but it's hard to tell sometimes. Love always, Charlie. October 28th, 1991. Dear friend, I'm sorry I hadn't written you in a couple of weeks, but I've been trying to participate like Bill said. It's strange because sometimes I read a book and I think I'm the people in the book. Also, when I write letters, I spend the next few days thinking about what I figured out in my letters. I do not know if this is good or bad. Nevertheless, I'm trying to participate. Incidentally, the book Bill gave me was Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. I know what you're thinking, the cartoon Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. The actual book is so much better than that. It's just about this boy who refuses to grow up, and when Wendy grows up, he feels very betrayed. At least that's what I got out of it. I think Bill gave the book to me to teach me a lesson. The good news is when I read the book, because of its fantasy nature, I could not pretend that I was in the book. That way I could participate and still read. In terms of participating in things, I'm trying to go to social events that they set up at my school. It's too late to join any clubs or anything like that, but I can still try to go to the things that I can, like things like the homecoming football game and dance, even if I don't have a date. I cannot imagine that I will ever come home for a homecoming game after I leave, but it was fun to pretend that I was. I found Patrick and Sam sitting in their normal spot on the bleachers, and I started acting like I hadn't seen them in a year, though I hadn't seen them this afternoon in lunch when I ate my orange and they smoked cigarettes. Patrick, is that you? And Sam, it's been so long. Who's winning? God, college is such a trial. My professor is making me read 27 books this weekend, and my girlfriend needs me to paint signs for her protest rally on Tuesday. Let those administrators know we mean business. Dad is busy with his golf swing, and Mom has her hands full with tennis. We must do this again, I would say, but I have to pick up my sister from her emotional workshop. She's making real progress. Good to see her. And then I walked away. I went down to the concession stand and bought three boxes of nachos and a Diet Coke for Sam. When I returned, I sat down and gave Patrick and Sam the nachos and Sam her Diet Coke. And Sam smiled. The great thing about Sam is that she doesn't think I'm crazy for pretending to do things. Patrick doesn't either, but he's too busy watching the game and screaming at Brad, the quarterback. Sam told me during the game that they were going over to their friend's house later for a party, and she asked me if I wanted to go, and I said yes, because I had never been to a party before. I had seen one at my house, though. My parents went to Ohio to see a very distant cousin get buried, or married, I don't remember which, and they left my brother in charge of the house. He was 16 at the time. My brother used the opportunity to throw a big party with beer and everything. I was ordered to stay in my room, which was okay because that's where everyone kept their coats, and it was fun looking through the stuff in everyone's pockets. Every ten minutes or so, a drunk girl and boy would stumble into the room so they could make out or something. Then they would see me and walk away. That is, except for this one couple. This one couple, who I was later told were very popular and in love, stumbled into my room and asked if I minded them using it. I told them that my brother and sister said I had to stay here, and they asked if I could use the if they could use the room anyway with me still in it. I said I didn't see why not. 
So they closed the door and started kissing, kissing very hard. And after a few minutes, the boy's hands went up the girl's shirt and, sh and she started protesting. Come on, Dave. What? The kid's in here. It's okay. And the boy kept working on the girl's shirt. And as much as I she said no, he kept working. After a few minutes, she stopped protesting. And he pulled her shirt off and she had a white bra on with lace. I honestly didn't know what to do by this point. Pretty soon he took off her bra and started to kiss her breast. And then he put her, his hand down her pants and she started moaning. And I think they were both very drunk. He reached to take off her pants, but she started crying really hard. So he reached for his own. She, he pulled his pants and underwear down to his knees. Please, Dave, no. But the boy just talked, talked to her about how good she looked and things like that. And she grabbed his penis in her hands and started moving it. I wish I could describe this a little more nicely without using words like penis, but that's the way it was. After a few minutes, the boy pushed the girl's head down and she started to kiss his penis. But she was still crying. Finally, she stopped crying because he put his penis in her mouth. And I don't think you can cry in that position. I had to stop watching at that point because I started to feel sick. But it kept going. And he kept doing some other thing and she, things. And she kept saying no. Even when I covered my ears, I could still hear her say that. My sister came in eventually to bring me a bowl of potato chips. When she found the boy and the girl, they stopped. My sister was very embarrassed, but not as embarrassed as the girl. The boy looked kind of smug. He didn't say much. After they left, my sister turned to me. Did they know you were in here? Yes. They asked if they could use the room. Why didn't you stop them? I didn't know what they were doing. You pervert was the last thing my sister said before she left the room, still carrying the bowl of potato chips. I told Sam and Patrick about this, and they both got very quiet. Sam said that she used to go out with Dave for a while because she got into punk music, and Patrick said that he had heard about the party. I wasn't surprised that he did because it kind of became a legend. At least that's what I've heard when I tell some kids who my older brother was. The, when the police came, they found my brother asleep on the roof. Nobody knows how he got there. My sister was making out in the laundry room with some senior. She was a freshman at the time. A lot of parents came to the house to pick up their kids, and a lot of the girls were crying and throwing up. Most of the boys had run away by this point. My brother got in big trouble, and my sister was given a serious talk by my parents about bad influences, and that was that. The boy named Dave is a senior now. He always he plays on the football team. He's a wide receiver. I watched the end of the game when Dave caught a touchdown thrown from Brad. It ended up winning the game for our school, and people went crazy in the stands because we had won, and all I could think about was the party. I thought about it for a long time, and I looked over to Sam. He raked her, didn't he? She just nodded. I couldn't tell if she was sad or if she just knew more things than me. We should tell someone, shouldn't we? Sam just shook her head at this time. Then she explained about all the things you have to go through to prove it, especially in high school when the boy and the girl are popular and still in love. The next day at the homecoming dance, I saw them dancing together, Dave and his girl, and I got really mad. It kind of scared me how mad I got. I thought about walking up to Dave and really hurting him, like maybe I should have really hurt Sean, and I think I would have, but Sam saw me and put her arm around my shoulders like she does. She calmed me down, and I guess I'm glad she did, because I think I would have gotten even madder if I started hitting Dave and his girl stopped me because she loved him. I think I would have gotten even madder about that. So I decided to do the next best thing and let the air out of Dave's tires. Sam knew which was his car. There's a feeling that I had Friday night after the homecoming dance game that I don't know if I will ever be able to describe except to say that it was warm. Sam and Patrick drove me to the party that night, and I sat in the middle of Sam's pickup truck. Sam loves her pickup truck, because I think it reminds her of her dad. The feeling I had happened when Sam told Patrick to find a station on the radio, and he kept getting commercials, and commercials, and a really bad song about love with, that had the word baby in it, and then more commercials, and finally he found this really amazing song about this commercial about this boy, and we all got quiet. Sam tapped her hand on the steering wheel. Patrick held his hand outside the car and made airwaves, and I just sat between them, and the song finished, and I said something. I feel infinite. And Sam looked at me like I had said the greatest thing they'd ever heard, because the song was that great, and we all really paid attention to it. Five minutes of a lifetime were truly spent, and we felt young in a good way. 
I've since bought the record, and I would tell you what it is, but truthfully, it's not the same unless you're driving to your first real party and you're sitting in the middle seat of a pickup with two nice people when it starts to rain. We got to the house where the party was, and Patrick did the secret knock. It would be hard to describe to you this knock without sound. The door opened with a crack, and the guy with frizzy hair looked up at us. Patrick, known as Patty, known as nothing, Bob. The door opened, and some old friends hugged each other. Then Sam and Bob hugged each other, and then Sam spoke. This is our friend, Charlie. And you won't believe it. Bob hugged me. Sam told them as we were hanging out up our coats that Bob was baked like a fucking cake. And I really had to quote that one, even though it has a swear. The party was in the basement of his house. The room was quite smoky, and there were kids much older. There were two girls showing each other tattoos and belly button rings. Seniors, I think. This guy named Fritz was eating a lot of Twinkies. Fritz's girlfriend was talking to him about women's rights, and he kept saying, I know, baby. Sam and Patrick started smoking cigarettes. Bob went up to the kitchen where we when we heard the bell ring. When he came back, he brought a can of Milwaukee's beer, best beer for everyone, as well as two new party guests. There was Maggie, who needed to use the bathroom, and there was Brad, the quarterback of high school football team. No kidding. I do not know whether this excited me, but I guess when you see someone in the hallway or on the field or something, it's nice to know that they are a real person. Everyone was very friendly and asked me a lot of questions about myself, I guess because I was the youngest, and they didn't want me to feel out of place, especially after I said no to having a beer. I once had a beer with my brother when I was 12, and it just, I just didn't like it. It was, it's really that simple for me. Some of the questions I was asked, what grade I was in, and what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'm a freshman, and I just don't know yet. I looked around, and I saw that Sam and Patrick had left with Brad. That's when Bob started passing around food. Would you like a brownie? Yes, thank you. I was actually quite hungry, because normally Sam and Patrick and me would go to the big boy after the football games, and I guess I was used to it by now. I ate the brownie, and it tasted a little weird, but it was still a brownie, so I liked it. This was not an ordinary brownie. Since you were older, I think you might know know what kind of brownie it was. After 30 minutes, the room started to slip away from me. I was talking to one of the girls with the belly button ring, and she seemed like she was in a movie. I started blinking a lot and looking around, and music sounded heavy like water. Sam came down when she saw me. She turned to Bob. What the hell is your problem? Come on, Sam. He likes it. Ask him. How do you feel, Charlie? Like, you see? Bob actually looked a little nervous, which I later, which I was later told paranoia. Sam sat down next to me and held my hand, which felt cool. Are you seeing anything, Charlie? Light. Does it feel good? Uh-huh. Are you thirsty? Uh-huh. What would you like to drink? A milkshake. And everyone in the room except Sam erupted in laughter. He's stoned. Are you hungry, Charlie? Uh-huh. What would you like to eat? A milkshake. I don't think they would have laughed any harder, even if what I said was all that funny. Then Sam took my hand and stood me up on the dizzy floor. Come on, we'll get you a milkshake. As we were leaving, Sam turned to Bob. I still think you're an asshole. All Bob did was laugh, and Sam finally laughed too. And I was glad that everyone seemed as happy as they seemed. Sam and I got up to the kitchen when she turned on the light. Wow, it was so bright, I couldn't believe it. It was like when you see a movie in the theater during the day, and when you leave the movie, you can't believe it, that it's still daylight outside. Sam brought some ice cream and some milk in a blender. I asked her where the bathroom was. She pointed around the corner, almost like it was her house. I think she and Patrick spent a lot of time here when, when Bob was still in high school. When I got to that bathroom, I heard a noise in the room where we left our coats. I opened the door and I saw Patrick kissing Brad. It was a stolen type of kissing. They heard me in the door and they turned around. Patrick spoke first. Is that you, Charlie? Sam's making me a milkshake. Who is this kid? Brad just looked real nervous and not in the Bob way. He's a friend of mine. Relax. Patrick then took me out of the room and closed the door. He put his hands on both of my shoulders and looked me straight in the eye. Brad doesn't want people to know. Why? Because he's scared. Why? Because he- Wait, are you stoned? They said I was downstairs. Sam was making me a milkshake. Patrick tried to keep from laughing. 
Listen, Charlie, Fred doesn't want people to know. I need you to promise you won't tell anyone. This will be our little secret. Okay. Okay. Thanks. With that, Patrick turned around and went back into the room. I heard some muffled noises and Brad seemed upset, but I didn't think it was any of my business, so I went back to the kitchen. I have to say that this was the best milkshake I had ever had in my life. It was so delicious, it almost scared me. Because we left the party, before we left the party, Sam played me a few of her favorite songs. One was called Blackbird and the other was called MLK. They were both very beautiful. I mentioned the titles because they were as great when I listened to them sober. Another interesting thing happened at the party we left. Patrick came downstairs, I guess Brad had left, and Patrick smiled. And Bob started to make fun of him grabbing the crush from the quarterback, and Patrick smiled more. I don't think I ever saw Patrick smile so much. And Patrick pointed at me and said something to Bob. He's something, isn't he? Bob nodded his head. Patrick then said something I don't think I'll ever forget. He's a wallflower. And Bob really nodded his head, and the whole room nodded their head. And I started to feel nervous in the Bob way, but Patrick didn't let me get too nervous. He sat down to me. He sat down next to me. You say things. You keep quiet about them, and you understand. I didn't know what other people thought things about me. I didn't know that what, that they looked. I was sitting on the floor of a basement of my first real party between Sam and Patrick. I remember that Sam introduced me as her friend to Bob, and I remember that Patrick had done the same for Brad, and I started to cry, and nobody in that room looked at me weird for doing it, and then I really started to cry. Bob raised his drink and asked everyone to do the same, to Charlie, and the whole group said, to Charlie. I didn't know why they did that, but it was very special to me because they did, especially Sam, especially her. I will tell you more about the homecoming dance, but now that I'm thinking about it, me letting out at the air of Dave's tires was the best part. I did try to dance like Bill suggested, but I usually like songs you can't dance to, so I didn't do it too much. Sam did look very pretty in her dress, but I was trying not to notice because I'm trying not to think of her that way. I did notice that Brad and Patrick never talked once during the whole dance because Brad was off dancing with a cheerleader named Nancy, who was his girlfriend. And I didn't notice that my sister was dancing with the boy she wasn't supposed to, even though a different boy picked her up at the house. After the dance, we left in Sam's pickup. Patrick was driving this time. As we were approaching the Fort Pitt Tunnel, Sam asked Patrick to pull up on the side of the road. I didn't know what she was going to do. Sam then climbed in the back of the pickup, wearing nothing but her dance dress. She told Patrick to drive, and he got this smile on his face. I guess they had done this before. Anyway, Patrick started driving really fast, and just before we hit the tunnel, Sam stood up, and the wind turned her dress into ocean waves. When we hit the tunnel, all the sound got scooped up into a vacuum, and it was replaced by the song on the tape player, a beautiful song called Landslide. When we got out of the tunnel, Sam screamed this really funny scream, and there it was, downtown lights on buildings and everything that makes you feel wonderful. Sam sat down and started laughing. Patrick started laughing. I started laughing, and in that moment, I swear we were infinite. Love always, Charlie. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. That's the end of part one. We'll try and start part two very soon. I hope you're all enjoying. Feel free to email me or reach out to me on Instagram at readingwjess. All right, guys. Thank you.